No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today, we see where Ezekiel is told to prophesy against the mountains of Israel. In his anger, God will cast their corpses before their idols in the high places, and then they will know that he is the Lord. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Ezekiel chapter 6 on Simply the Bible. Would God speak against inanimate objects? When we consider that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, then we can understand how he rules over all and does whatever he wants with his creation. But God does not act in a haphazard or capricious manner. He operates according to his own holiness and righteousness. Today, we will see where he speaks against the mountains of Israel because of what was happening there. We continue in Ezekiel chapter 6. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, to the hills, to the ravines, and to the valleys. Indeed, I, even I, will bring a sword against you, and I will destroy your high places. God was very grieved over the mountains, and he would destroy their high places. Now, we need to know something about these high places. The high place was usually a place of worship located on a hill or mountain. The elevated site supposedly brought worshipers closer to their gods. These high places were in Canaan before Israel arrived there, and God commanded them to destroy them. Israel was to worship only at the tabernacle, which was originally located in Shiloh. But after the destruction of Shiloh, probably by the Philistines, and before the construction of the temple in Jerusalem, Israel had no central place of worship. The altar and tabernacle were relocated in Gibeon, and the ark was taken to Kirjath Jerim. During this time, God apparently permitted the use of high places as temporary worship centers. Both Samuel and Solomon worshiped the Lord at high places. However, once the temple was built, formal worship anywhere else was officially prohibited. Because there could be no effective control in these high places, they were wide open to the influence of Canaanite fertility practices, ancestor worship, and idolatry of various kinds. Each high place would have its altar for sacrifice, an incense altar for offering incense, and perhaps a pillar and an image of the Canaanite goddess, either Asherah or Ashtoreth. Those kings who followed God, such as Hezekiah and Josiah, tried to destroy these high places. But Hezekiah's reformation was immediately reversed by his wicked son, Manasseh. And it doesn't seem that Josiah's efforts were much more successful in bringing lasting change. The kings who did not follow God quickly rebuilt the high places. 
I have often wondered, what would the high places be today? Would they not be any place where people worship something other than God? Are there not high places of entertainment? Have we not made idols of celebrities? Wouldn't the places of sexual immorality, adult bookstores, and pornographic websites be considered altars where gods and goddesses are worshipped? Are not drug houses places of sorcery and the worship of demons? Have we not made money the god of choice? If we do not tear down these high places of deception and destruction, then God ultimately will. Verse 4. Then your altars shall be desolate. Your incense altars shall be broken, and I will cast down your slain men before your idols, and I will lay the corpses of the children of Israel before their idols, and I will scatter your bones all around your altars. When the Lord made his covenant with Israel on Mount Sinai, He said that he would do these things if they forsook him to worship other gods. Leviticus 26.30 says, I will destroy your high places, cut down your incense altars, and cast your carcasses on the lifeless forms of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you. The Babylonian army would come into the land and break down the altars and destroy the idols. But even more, the soldiers would kill the worshipers and leave their rotting corpses as sacrifices to these fallen idols. In all your dwelling places, the city shall be laid waste and the high places shall be desolate so that your altars may be laid waste and made desolate. Your idols may be broken and made to cease. Your incense altars may be cut down and your works may be abolished. The slain shall fall in your midst and you shall know that I am the Lord. Sixty-three times in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet uses this phrase, you shall know that I am the Lord. By using the covenant name of Yahweh, Ezekiel focused on the unfaithfulness of God's people. They had forgotten who their true husband was. If they had truly known the Lord's wonderful character, they would never have rebelled against him as they did. These words carry across the generations to us today. The Lord desires to be known by all, both Jew and Gentile. He is the one true God, the God of the universe, the God who speaks and fulfills his every word in its time. He is also the God who will ultimately destroy all false worship in the day of judgment. Yet I will leave a remnant so that you may have some who escape this sword among the nations. When you are scattered through the countries, then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive because I was crushed by their adulterous heart, which has departed from me. And by their eyes, which play the harlot after their idols, They will loathe themselves for the evils which they committed in all their abominations. And they shall know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I would bring this calamity upon them. It is interesting that God's mercy is never far behind his judgment. In fact, his judgment is only to bring his people to repentance so that he can show them his mercy. 
God would allow a remnant of his people to survive among the foreign nations where they had been driven. And like a woman who has left her husband for another lover and then suffered abuse by this lover, so Israel would be among the nations. They had loved their foreign gods, but now they were suffering at the hands of these gods. So they would begin to yearn for their former husband. They would remember Yahweh, their covenant husband, and long to return to him. God was heartbroken by Israel's constant infidelity. His heart was crushed. He had been good to her. He had been patient. For centuries he had warned her, but she persisted in her unfaithfulness by playing the harlot with her idols. He had no resort but to send her away. Yet this punishment would not be without effect. When the Jews did return to Judah, never again would they worship idols. The calamity God brought upon them would not be in vain. I don't know about you, but the mere thought that I can crush the heart of God by my own sins, by my own going my own way, that crushes my heart. Thus says the Lord God, pound your fists and stamp your feet and say, alas, for all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, for they shall fall by the sword, by famine and by pestilence. He who is far off shall die by the pestilence. He who is near shall fall by the sword, and he who remains and is besieged shall die by the famine. Thus will I spend my fury upon them. You know, God takes no delight in the death of the wicked, and he took no delight in the judgment that he was bringing upon his people. And so he he said, pound your fist, stamp your feet. This was a time of great mourning. I think of what Jesus said regarding the tax collector who would not even look up to heaven, but he pounded his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It would seem that God was calling his people to mourning and lamenting so that he might turn from his great wrath. You know, we should never want to provoke God to the point where he must fully spend his fury upon us. I would echo the prayer of David in Psalm 6. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. Verse 13. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When their slain are among their idols all around their altars and every high hill on all the mountaintops under every green tree and under every thick oak, wherever they offered sweet incense to all their idols. Not only upon the high places, but also under the oaks or the terebinth trees, they would often worship their false gods, probably because the tree represented a symbol of fertility. Verse 14, so I will stretch out my hand against them and make the land desolate, yes, more desolate, than the wilderness toward Dibla in all their dwelling places. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. And so Ezekiel repeats the phrase, then you shall know that I am the Lord two more times for emphasis. You see, in the end, God simply wants us to know that he is the Lord, Yahweh, I am. 
He is the sovereign God who is worthy to be feared and worthy to be loved. Oh, that we would respond to his goodness and loving kindness and not provoke him to wrath. He is slow to anger and abounding in love. But when his anger is aroused, then there is no place to hide. And so today, if we have sinned, may we be as that tax collector. May we beat our breasts. May we pray, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner, knowing, as Jesus said, that that man went away justified. Let's close today in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you that you are slow to anger, but Father, you are also holy. And God, forgive us where we have turned aside from you and found our own high places to worship anything other than you. Lord, I pray if there's anything in our lives that has come between us and our pure, wholehearted worship of you, if there's anything that we have enthroned upon our hearts other than you, Lord, I pray that we would turn from that, that you would grant grace and repentance and mercy and forgiveness and bring us unto you, Lord, the only one who is worthy to be called our God. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and please leave us a review. What can a people do when God visits them as their sin deserves? Tomorrow we will see where the Lord gives a message of disaster and doom to Jerusalem. In that day they will seek peace, but there will be none. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Ezekiel on Simply the Bible.